Uh, we've got a reading from the scripture, Matthew 25, 14 through 26. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into the vineyard. When he went out about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And about five o'clock, he went out there and found others standing around. And he said to them, why are you standing here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and then going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you made them equal to us who have borne the burden of all day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not choose, excuse me, did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me, or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be the first, and the first will be the last. The word of God for the people of God. Will you pray with us? Holy God, send your spirit upon us, that as your scripture has been read and your word is proclaimed, we may hear with joy what it is you have to say to us this day. Amen. Amen. For the past few Sundays, we've been talking about legacies. What is it that we want to leave behind? What do we want future generations to know about the people of Wash Park right now? And I have to confess, I don't usually spend a lot of time thinking about my legacy. <laughs> it's not at the forefront of my mind on a daily basis. Usually, uh, the grocery list takes that spot. But when I come to major milestones in my life, I usually take a moment to pause and reflect. Make sure to take it all in and appreciate it, but also to do a little life evaluation, to take stock of who I am and where I want to be headed. In less than a week, I will be finishing a 10-year-long ordination process thanks to God and incredible support system, including all of yourselves. <laughs> and far too much caffeine, I have to put that there. <laughs> it's beginning to dawn on me that this part of my life's journey is coming to a close and a new reality is about to begin. Ordination in the Methodist Church is a bit of a weird gig, actually. I don't know how many of you know this, but when you become ordained as a minister in the United Methodist Church, 
you have a guaranteed job for life unless you decide to do something different or you really, really mess it up. But it's Methodist ministers and Supreme Court justices. Those are the only two jobs with lifelong promises in the United States, at least in this moment. And it makes me wonder, after all of the time and effort spent, literally a third of my life, is this really the thing that I want to be doing? Is this what I want to spend the rest of my life doing? Is this the life that I would choose? If I didn't need the money and the stability, would I still be here? And if I'm being honest, my wholehearted answer is absolutely. If I suddenly became immensely wealthy with no warning, I don't know if you guys would know. <laughs> I would still be here. Although I think I would take better vacations. I think that would change. But I would still choose this every day. If you had the opportunity and you didn't have to think about money for the rest of your life, what would you do? Gosh, that's such a good question. Um, and I will answer that question. But that question makes me think about another question I was asked in seminary, which was, why ministry? Why do you do this? Um, and I remember I had to stand up in front of the whole class in a seminary class, and I was very embarrassed. And I said something about loving the church and loving the people. I was a children's minister at the time, so I said I love the children. Um, and that I find something every day in ministry that I love. And that was probably in 2004, 2005. And so, you know, these years later, I have to say, even when days make me cry <laughs> or make me really mad, I have still somehow found something that I love very deeply. So I think that the answer is, yeah, I'd be doing this. I'd be in ministry in some sort of way yeah. with the church and with people. I think in a certain, from a certain perspective, that would make us very successful to have found the thing that we want to be doing. I think that's really great. But if I think about it, maybe from the outside, I don't know that we look very successful. <laughs> from the outside, I don't think we look maybe like too much. We don't have terribly nice homes. We don't drive really nice cars. For all that we have in personal fulfillment, the world doesn't really seem to define success in the same way that we do. That may be true. I, I do think that the wisdom of the world says that success is the ultimate achievement, right? Mm -hmm. The wisdom of the world, at least in our, our culture, would say things like, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You make what you earn. Just work hard enough and you'll achieve your dreams. But but is it really as simple as believing and following statements like these? Ben Zimmer, who's a linguist and a lexicographer, hopefully I said that right, and also a columnist for the Wall Street Journal, um, first looked up that phrase, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, in 2005 for the American Dialect Society newsletter. In his research, 
he came across claims that that certain expression dates back to the story of Baron Munchausen, a fictional 18th century German nobleman who was famous for telling tall tales about his sensational achievements as a soldier and world traveler. In one tale, he manages to launch himself out of a swamp by pulling on his own hair. Supposedly, the American version of the story has Baron Munchausen using his bootstraps to pull himself out of the swamp. So how in the world did this piece of silly folklore become solid, believable financial advice? In our society that exalts individualism and the self-made man Where else would we look for wisdom and advice than to those who have the most success? If they say these things, they must be true, right? Not for the first time, we find that God has a completely different set of priorities in mind. The story that we heard today of each worker coming to the field at different points throughout the day and receiving the same wage seems to call all of that cultural wisdom into question. If the kingdom of God were fair, the landowner would have given each worker what they had rightfully earned. And instead, each worker receives the same compensation, a day's wage, enough, literally enough for your daily bread but not too much. Maybe Jesus was trying to remind his followers of their ancient days in the desert after their escape from Egypt. When God provided manna from heaven to sustain the Israelites, it was so all would be provided for. Everyone, no matter who you were, you could go out and gather what your family needed. And it didn't matter if you were rich or poor, a leader or a servant, able-bodied or disabled, all received the amount that they needed. But if you tried to take more than your share, it would become worm-riddled and rotten. God provided plenty, but not too much. The people of Israel were cared for by having enough. A day's wage would have been enough to pay for your daily bread. This is something that we pray for every Sunday without fail. We pray for enough, and we pray for enough for all. This is what grace looks like in action. Fair means you get what you deserve, what you've earned, what you've worked for. God offers grace. Grace means you get enough because I love you. Mm. I think there's a little voice in my head, and maybe it's in yours too, that gets a little wrinkled. And I can hear the voice of my 12-year-old saying, it's not fair. (laughs) If you've ever met Addie, maybe you can imagine it in her voice. (laughs) But it makes me wonder, maybe fair isn't the goal in God's kingdom. Mm. Maybe the ideas that we think to be right and good are only right and good from the world's perspective. It's a false wisdom, not God's wisdom. The world tells us you get what you earn, whatever it is. It's never enough. But Christ tells you that you will receive what you need. 
So Reverend Jamie Lee said during the prayer time that um, our Mountain Sky United Methodist clergy have just learned of the passing of somebody very important to many of us, um, the passing of Reverend Dr. Chuck Schuster. Um, I was just really touched all week in seeing different social media posts from other colleagues who have experiences with him. And I asked um, my colleague, Reverend A.J. Bush, who is a pastor in um, Salt Lake City, if I could share her tribute to him. And she said, please do. So she writes this. This Sunday at church, we are celebrating All Saints Day. And I'm not, I am nowhere near ready to add Charles Schuster to the list of saints who have died and gone on before us. Charles was my pastor in college. The Wesley Foundation at CSU had an adopt a college student program, and the leadership thought it was wise to pair me with Chuck and his wife Kathy since they knew I was going to be a pastor, a decision I am sure Chuck questioned as wise. Ever since then, Chuck has not only been a mentor but a dear friend. I have memories of Chuck ranging from going on walks with him, Kathy and their dog, to him playing his trombone in the church office to call the staff to coffee break, to his words of wisdom on preaching that I carry into the pulpit with me almost every Sunday. Chuck was a giant, a legend, who both said what he meant and wasn't afraid to admit when he was wrong. He taught me so much, and I can't believe I won't receive any more of his advice or wisdom. Chuck, you will be missed by me and so many others. I would say rest in peace, but I don't really imagine that is how you would want your afterlife to be. Rather, I hope you are out there giving God a run for her money. So Chuck Schuster was a clergy person who always seemed to question and turn things on their head. When A.J. writes that he was a, a giant or a legend, he is in our conference. For many years, he taught um, United Methodist polity and doctrine at Isle School of Theology. In fact, both Jamie Lee and I took from him. And he was famous for questioning students deep-seated beliefs and really causing them to, really pushing them to defend the things they believed. So in fact, that question that I said somebody asked me in seminary at the very beginning of the sermon, that was Chuck Schuster. And he made me stand up in front of the whole class and say, why ministry? And then when I said, it's because I find something every day that I love, he sat back and he said, huh, that's great, Sandy. What happens when you have a day that you don't love something? And it made me cry. I was terrified of him, at least at first. But then he became one of those esteemed clergy that always knew my name, even when I was not even at a church. Knew my name, he cared about my life, he cared about what I was doing and he cared about what I thought and what I said. So as we end this sermon series on stewardship, on the idea of leaving a legacy, 
Jamie Lee and I pray that we have found some wisdom in our traditions, in our faith, in our scriptures, in each other. It is wisdom that is different than the world gives because it's firmly grounded in the kingdom of God and God's values and vision for a world that is just and generous and compassionate. So thank you for being a part of the legacy of Washington Park United Methodist Church. We pray these have been the words of the Lord for us this day. Amen.